Welcome to Query, where we provide simple answers for complex tech questions. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined in this new year by my co-host and friend, Serenity Caldwell. Hey. Hey, Stephen. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm a little under the weather, so uh, listeners, forgive me if I sound a little scratchy or gross, but uh, the show must go on, and... uh, and we're here, and I have a lot of cold medicine, so it's it's. I'm feeling really good, actually. You know, really yeah. kind of suspiciously good for how bad I sound. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You're bringing uh, you're bringing a positive attitude into the new year, along with some hopefully positive tech questions. You see how I tried to connect? That was bad. It's good. That was bad. Let's go. Let's move forward. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to start at the obvious place this week, uh, since mm-hmm. our holiday special. Uh, Back before Christmas, there's been a lot of news about older iPhones and batteries and performance issues. And uh, I, I, as soon as this news broke, I knew that you'd be the person to talk to about this. So, kind of, what's going on with this? There's been a lot of news, and Apple's done different things at different times. So, kind of, what what's the deal with uh, with these these iPhone, you know, six, six S, SE, and seven models? What are they up to? Yeah, so uh, I guess let's start at the very beginning, which has to go back to last year, uh, where, you know, uh, phones and mobile phones in general, uh, pretty much every modern device that you have uh, uses a lithium-ion battery uh, to store its charge. So when you're using an iPhone and you see that little battery indicator, that's telling you the um, the the daily rundown of your lithium-ion battery. Uh, but like uh, like our batteries of old, like AA batteries and AAA batteries and all the things we used to shove into our remotes, uh, batteries die over time um, and they lose their charge. Uh, and lithium-ion batteries are a little bit different than your AA batteries because they can be recharged. Uh, but even rechargeable batteries have a have an indefinite shelf life, or rather a definite shelf life. Uh, if it was indefinite, we wouldn't have this problem. Uh, so, uh, we, of That'd course, magical. I know, right? Indefinite batteries. Get to work on that, Elon Musk. Uh, so the, the main issue comes down to this. Your iPhone's battery, uh, just like your Mac's battery, if you've had a Mac laptop in the past, uh, it starts out being great. It might hold, you know, nine, ten hours of charge. Uh, and then maybe two, three years into it, depending on how you've used it, how many charge cycles, basically how many times you fully charged it and unchar- and uh, let it die, uh, whether or not you've been using it a lot in the heat or extreme temperatures, like it's extreme cold, uh, your battery is slowly going to lose its capacity to hold a full charge. So a battery that might have held 10 hours uh, of charge on day one might only hold, you know, five or six hours of charge on year three. Uh, This is pretty normal from a tech perspective and from a battery perspective. Uh, However, uh, what's a little bit different is as phones have been getting more powerful, um, the load on the battery has increased and changed. Uh, So bringing this back to what I mentioned at first, which is last year, uh, people with the iPhone 6 and 6S started noticing that uh, they'd be using their phone and it would be at like, you know, 40% battery, 30% battery. And then all of a sudden their phone would mysteriously shut down and then reboot again. 
Um, and that obviously is not not a great look for Apple software. So Apple went into and did some investigating. Uh, and the company discovered that the reason why their phones were unexpectedly shutting down is that the users were using things that were processor and power intensive tasks. So uh, to give you an example, maybe rendering, you know, edits on a photo or something like that, or opening a, a, a power heavy game or something, you know, something along those lines. Um, and what was happening is that the degrading lithium ion battery wasn't able to supply enough initial power for that load. So instead of uh, <laughs> instead of having the phone short circuit, the phone was just like, nope, too much power. This might hurt the battery. This might hurt my processor. I'm just going to shut down and restart. Um, and Apple's like, mm, that's that's not great. That is not a great user experience for, for people. And also, while we appreciate that our software is not making phones explode, because we know other phone companies who had that problem in years past, uh, we also don't love that it's unexpectedly restarting for our customers. So what Apple decided to do was look at phones that had these, you know, battery limits, uh, older batteries, and they said, okay, um, when you go to grab that high-performance game or open that high-performance game, instead of throwing the full weight of the CPU uh, at that game, we're going to throttle the CPU and GPU slightly so that your game might take longer to load, but your game will load as opposed to randomly shutting off. The problem with this is that Apple didn't really explain that this was happening. They didn't tell anybody about it. Uh, and flash forward to a couple weeks ago, you know, people have been complaining for years and years and years and years that their iPhones are being, you know, artificially slowed. Um, and for years, we've been like, uh-huh, guys, it's just your, your phone's getting old and it's running, you know, software that it really wasn't built for. Uh, that's, that's how it goes. Uh, but in this case, that vocal minority was actually kind of right in that yeah. if you had a phone that had these had battery problems that had a lithium ion battery that was under a certain percentage of charge uh apple would be slowing the gpu and cpu uh again i want to underline here to prevent your phone from either unexpectedly shutting down or blowing up <laughs> um so like the intentions were good here, uh, and it's not that Apple was throttling all phones. However, all the good intentions in the world can't change the fact that Apple did not provide the greatest messaging here. So when yeah, people just yeah, <laughs> I think that's the main problem people have with this is is not that Apple was doing because like you said, choosing between slowing down a phone under peak load or the phone shutting off unexpectedly when you, you know, you open a game or something, they made the right call. But I think, I think where their mistake was, they didn't really tell anybody. They disclosed mm -hmm. it back when they started it kind of, but not in a way that I feel at least was as clear or as widespread as it should have been. Not and so all of a sudden the story comes back, right? People are, are benchmarking their phones with new and old batteries and they're, they're putting the pieces together. It forces the company's hand to come out about this. Yeah, and uh, and that's where we, we were. The reason why this came back into the news cycle, by the way, is that originally this slowdown only affected iPhone 6 and iPhone 6S and iPhone SE. Uh, but with the iOS 11 update, 
Apple also started including iPhone 7 and iPhone 7 Plus because it was also seeing slowdowns uh, and unexpected restarts on those phone models as the batteries got older. Um, The problem is, of course, that the iPhone 7 is only a year old. Uh, So people all of a sudden were seeing between iPhone, you know, uh, iOS 10 and iOS 11, they're like, this is really strange. This is a, you know, my phone feels much slower going from update to update, and my phone's only a year old. I don't understand what's going on. Um, so a couple of those people ran benchmarks, and they're like, oh, wow, um, this is really slow and kind of weird in comparison to my new iPhone 8. Um But I know that, you know, batteries might be an issue, so maybe I'll swap it out. And that person swapped out their battery and found a markedly different uh, running experience for iOS 11 on their iPhone 7. And that's that's kind of where this all imploded. Uh, So Apple did come out with a statement, uh, an official statement about a year too late, uh, explaining what was going on um, and when, again, when they specifically throttle phones, which is to say when your battery dips below, I believe, 75 percent efficacy, they're going to start limiting certain things. That's not everything on the phone, um, but it's little like certain things like um, apps might take a little bit longer to load. Uh, You might get slightly lower frame rates if you're scrolling through an article or if you're using a game. Um, Your backlight dimming might go a little bit more harshly than it normally does. So you might see your phone drop to a lower light on on its screen than it normally does. You might hear slightly lower speaker volume. Um, and when you know how Apple usually has, uh, usually freezes apps in the background when you're switching between apps, um, it can't hold as many apps in memory. So it might refresh more of those apps on launch. Uh, and those are the specific things that are affected by Apple's power management program. Um, Apple does not throttle the CPU and GPU for other things like cellular call quality or when you take uh, your photos and videos, it doesn't lower the quality of those photos and videos, doesn't lower or lessen your GPS performance, location accuracy, or your sensors or Apple Pay. Um, So all the quote unquote core features of a phone are still enabled. Um, And Apple's suggestion is, hey, if you're seeing this throttling, uh, first, we're going to offer a software update in the near future uh, that's going to be much more explicit about when your battery needs to be replaced. Right now, that warning really only pops up if your battery is like 30, 40 percent efficacy. Yeah, Uh, real bad. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like when your battery basically just has enough juice to power the phone and that's it. Uh, So they're going to improve that. Uh, But what they're also saying is, hey, if you're seeing this, we recommend replacing your battery. And normally battery replacements cost $75. But for the next year, we're going to be dropping that down to $29. Um, And theoretically, you can, well, right now, the program's active now. You can go into any Apple store and request it. Theoretically, they have to run a diagnostic um, and take a look and make sure your battery is below 80% efficacy. Uh, But we've heard multiple reports Uh, that have basically said that the Genius Bar will run this diagnostic, but if you request a battery replacement and you have a 6SE, 6S, or iPhone 7 and iPhone 7 Plus, uh, they're almost guaranteed to give you that replacement, even if your battery doesn't qualify. Just because, again, Apple kind of messed up here. Uh, And Yeah. uh, yeah, 
they're I mean, I'm glad that they are replacing batteries for much under like $29. It still seems silly. Oh, why aren't they giving it to us for free? Um, they're basically giving you the part for free. They're charging for the genius's time to replace it, um, which is honestly a really, really good deal for a brand new iOS battery. Um, but it's still, yeah, I'm I'm glad that they're being pretty lenient about when and where to replace it because they need to they need to calm this down. Yeah, I, I think it's the right call to replace a battery if a user requests it. I was in uh, my local Apple store over the weekend, and ju- just in the you know twenty minutes I was there doing something completely unrelated, I feel like every other person who walked in the phone had iPhone six in their hand, you know, asking if they could uh-huh. get a battery put in it. <laughs> Everyone knew it's because it was slow. Like this, this story has successfully made it out into the world, and. I think Apple, I mean, they clearly didn't handle it correctly, but in the time since, I think they're moving forward with the $29 repair is the right way to go. I do hope that they choose to extend that right now. That repair program is only open through calendar 2018. And because you can still buy an SE or a 6S or a 7, you could be in this situation in early 2019 or mid 2019 and this program not be there for you. So I, I hope that Apple looks at extending this because they have done a lot of damage to the trust that, that customers have in them because people feel vindicated and saying, Hey, you know, my phone was slow. So I, I bought a new one and turns out I could have just spent 30 bucks and not, you know, 400 (laughs) or 700 or something. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some pe- I was talking to people on t- online about this weekend, and there was concern about well, if Apple's replacing batteries, they don't need replacing. You know that's wasteful. I was like, well, that that's beside the point of this. Apple needs to take care of these customers and needs these customers to feel respected. Like Apple, yeah. yeah, like Apple respects their time and and more importantly their money. And I, you know, my guess is you know people have a relatively short memory when it comes to this stuff. I think if someone has a phone like this and, and they spend 30 bucks and get a battery put in it, and when it's time to replace this phone, you know, in a year or a year and a half, I don't think Apple's going to see a big drop off in purchases. I think these people will stick around, but that's only if Apple does this correctly. So I hope as we move forward that we don't see a lot of reports of people being turned away that, you know, if you ask for it, then you can have a battery put in. Yeah, I agree. And I do want to say a couple things on that. Um, If you got your battery replaced before this program started, it does sound like AppleCare will refund your money. So if you paid $79 to get your battery replaced, uh, call them and you can get it replaced to 29. You can basically get a refund for the for the extra cash. Um, And also, I've heard far fewer uh, situations where this has happened. But if you did buy a new phone because your old phone was slow and you bought it in the last month, I would, again, if you really want to go back to your old phone and get a new battery, I would call AppleCare and see if you can refund or exchange your old your new phone for your old one. Uh, that may not be possible, but it's worth a shot. Um, yeah. Other things along this line, because just because I've heard people ask these questions, um, if you're curious about whether or not your phone is being affected by the slowdown, obviously Apple's iOS software update isn't out yet. Uh, you can check. There's an amazing utility on the Mac called Coconut Battery, um, mm-hmm. where if you plug in your iPhone to your Mac, it'll show you its general age and wear and tear, which I find really helpful. So you can see where your iPhone's battery is vis-a-vis you know, uh, the general 
feeling. Um, and then also, uh, there are many, many reasons why your iPhone might be working slower that have nothing to do with Apple's power management program. Um, and that includes things like being out of date with the latest software that has things uh, like you might ha have carrier updates installed. Um, you might have excessive background activity. You might have a rogue app that's just trying to pull all of your power. Um, and we, I do recommend we have a, a nice thing on iMore that's just kind of a rundown of like all the other things adjacent from the battery that might be slowing down your phone. Um, so if you have a, even if you have like an iPhone 8 and you're like, oh, my phone's slow too, um, chances are it's one of these other things and it's not your battery because the iPhone 8 and iPhone 10 aren't even part of this program. Uh, same thing with the iPhone 5S. The iPhone 5S um, ha is not part of Apple's power management program. Um, and also not in Apple's power management program is the iPad, um, partially because the iPad's battery is gigantic. <laughs> yeah, the iPad's yeah. battery is like two thirds of the iPad in comparison to the iPhone. Uh, and that's a, a big reason why even an aging iPad battery is not going to accidentally reboot your iPad because Apple has, you know, ways of going around that and making that work. So you don't have to worry about your iPad Air 2 being slowed, artificially slowed down. It's not part of the program. Um, yeah, and I think that's that's most of the questions that I have heard. Um, battery replacement will be done in store. So that's yep. worth noting. Uh, you don't have to send your iPhone away and wait for a week. Um, and if you don't have an Apple store nearby, call Apple Care and see what they're offering. Because um, it may be that you're going to send your phone in, but they might give you a replacement phone to use in the meantime. Uh, always talk to people in, in general is my, my suggestion. Yeah. So uh, let us know if you, if you go through this process. I know uh, we had a couple emails from people who were uh, going to, to test the waters and, and see. You know, I expect a lot of people will do this. So you may run into an issue where they don't have a battery immediately for you, but they, most of the time Apple can, can basically put you in the queue and then they let you know when the part comes in and then you come in and, and get it all taken care of. So, uh, so yeah, I'm glad Apple is, is moving forward in this way. And I th hopefully that, uh, kind of puts us to bed for a while. Fingers crossed. If you have a question for us, use the hashtag AskQuery on Twitter and we will see it. And while you're there, be sure to follow the show at Query Show. And this is where this next uh, question comes from. This is from Logan. Uh, Logan writes, I'm hiking the Appalachian Trail next year. Maybe this year now. I'm say this year. What's the <laughs> best way to conserve phone battery while on the trail? I have a 10,000 milliamp hour battery pack to charge my Apple Watch and iPhone 10, and it can recharge that big battery every three to five days. My main uses will be camera and audio. So when we saw this, uh, we went and spoke to our friend underscore David Smith. He's a developer. He has a podcast on the network called Under the Radar. He took a very similar trip uh, last year. He hiked 110 miles by himself. <laughs> And so we sent him this question, and uh, he has a bunch of advice for Logan. Uh, so underscore David Smith, this is uh, some of the things that he recommended. Uh, first of all, he noted that the battery on his iPhone 7 lasted much better than he would have guessed. Um, he went the entire week without needing more than a 10,000 milliamp battery pack and only used about two-thirds of it, um, which shocks me because I feel like I go through a 24K 
the ant battery pack. <laughs> but then again, you're not really using Twitter or Tweetbot a whole lot on the trail, right? You're just kind of, you know, you're using it for photos and things like that. Um, and in fact, David mentions um, when he looked at his battery meter for the week, his camera was by far his highest use and mostly for video while he was hiking. Um, he also has some suggestions for things he did to save battery. He put the phone in airplane mode unless he was specifically trying to check the internet, which I s- definitely recommend. That oh, will yeah. keep your signal. That will keep your cellular antenna for trying to constantly search for a signal. That is a huge drain on your battery. Um, he also always put it in low battery mode, which again will shut out unnecessary processes, uh, dims again your backlight and a couple other things. Um, David also noticed that when he got a cellular signal, it seemed like apps would spring to life and use that signal uh, to to pull things down from the background. Um, so before his hike, he turned everything off that could load in the background, uh, no background app refresh, uh, switching mail from pull to fetch, things like that. Um, I do this, or I used to do this in the days when, uh, when you'd go international um, and you only had oh, yeah. like... 100 megs of international data, I would switch off all of my background app processes um, and it would drop, not only would drop my cellular data down to zero, but it also kept my phone uh, working a lot longer. So that makes perfect sense for me for also going on hikes. Um, David also forced quit apps he wasn't using. Uh, usually, again, uh, in the past, Stephen and I have said force quitting, not the best idea because it doesn't really do much, um, except in this circumstance. Again, talking about international, talking about hiking. If apps aren't actively frozen, they can't run in the background um, and they can't pull data in the background and they can't be woken until they are launched from from start again. So it does take a little bit longer to launch those apps, but it also ensures ensures that, you know, if David stopped along the side of the the trail to check Twitter and turn that on, um, if he turned on his cellular data again to make a call, Twitter wouldn't try refreshing in the background. Um, David also suggests using wired headphones as opposed to Bluetooth headphones so that you don't pull, again, extra. The more signals that you're using on your phone, the more your battery usage is going to be. Uh, so you t- make sure, you know, as much as as much fun as the AirPods are using wired. Also, uh, one fewer thing to charge, which is nice, right? Uh, you don't want to have to charge your AirPods and your phone every couple days. Totally. David also made sure his navigation app didn't have constantly active GPS. It just pulled locations on demand and then could turn off GPS. Um, and that's because he didn't necessarily need real-time tracking. He just wanted to make sure, oh, I'm still on the map? Okay. Uh, if you need real-time tracking, that will be a slightly bigger draw in your battery. Uh, but you can you can usually make do. Uh, and what we should have done and did not, but we'll ask David about is uh, navigation app recommendations. Uh, because I'm sure there are some great ones for people who are hiking who want to, again, look at GPS on on demand. Um, Lastly, David uh, said that he used the simplest weather provider he could find to minimize the amount of data and only used a radar app when absolutely necessary. Much fun, much as I love Carrot Weather, uh, all of Carrot Weather's detailed forecasts, probably not necessary if you just need to know whether it's going to rain on your head in the next hour. Um, David did note that he found his Apple Watch 
pretty much useless. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, Apple Watch. When it's in airplane mode, it essentially becomes just a Fitbit. And when using hiking poles, it doesn't count steps well. Your phone near your hip works much better. So it's just measuring your heart rate, which could be interesting, uh, but it didn't warrant the charge needs. So he just used a basic watch instead. This is interesting. Uh, I'm actually very curious about taking Apple Watch with LTE on a hike. Um, I don't know. So it's, it's such a difficult thing, right? Because I'm like, part of me just wants to take an Apple Watch hiking. But then I'd miss out on taking a good camera. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, you can't, you still can't point an Apple Watch. Uh, and also you can't plug in manual headphones with your Apple Watch. So much as I love the idea of hiking with an Apple Watch, I think I have to agree with David. If you have to choose between devices and you only want to carry a, a light amount of power that's just going to charge one of them, your iPhone is probably the uh, the one to go. Yeah, I think so. So Logan, keep us posted on preparation and the trip itself and how it goes. Uh, hopefully, David's experience with this will prove helpful for you. All right, we go from hiking to the speed run. Oh, I hate running. Yeah, running's the worst. And we're going to start uh, with a question uh, about Apple Music from Miro. Any idea how to get Apple Music to s- stop goofing around with my music, changing live songs to radio edit versions, etc.? Oh, this is so frustrating, Miro, and I'm sorry you have to go through it. Um, honestly, the best way right now is to manually download those songs to your iPhone. Um, and I'm presuming, and maybe I'm wrong here, that you have live songs uh, in your iCloud music library where you have uh, you have uh, a song maybe that you've ripped from a CD. And then when it gets uploaded to your iCloud music library, instead of getting uploaded, maybe it's getting matched to a radio edit version. Um Unfortunately, in that circumstance, you're probably going to have to rebuy the correct version from the iTunes store because Apple currently doesn't have a way to force upload a song. If they did, it's one, been one of my uh, my chief wishes for, for iCloud Music Library for a long time. It would make a lot of people's, I think, nitpicks about iCloud a, a lot easier uh, because right now, yeah, there really isn't any way for you to say, hey, that song that I uploaded that's the live version of, you know, Pink Floyd's, uh, yeah, I don't know, Pick Your, Pick Your Poison by Pink Floyd, uh, that song, unfortunately, uh, shows up as a radio version, and it cuts out all the swears, and I don't understand. Uh, there's, there's not much way to fix that. However, that said, if you're translation once you ripped that cd does get properly matched as uploaded rather than matched um you can download that locally to your device and it should play the correct version same thing if you're requesting a song from apple music that you know you have in your library but it keeps on playing the song that it has from apple music as long as you have that locally downloaded to your device and then ask Siri for it, you should get the one, the correct one, the one that's downloaded locally and not the one that's stored on the Apple Music server. Uh, I hope that helps. Unfortunately, as I said, it's not the not the simplest solution in the world. I really hope that one of Apple's goals in 2018 is to make iCloud Music Library a little bit more functional for people who have more unique uh, song choices. Yeah, it's been a problem since the very beginning that there's, you know, there's no sort of manual way out if it matches something incorrectly. Yeah, it's very frustrating. All right, switching gears a little bit, Walter asks Stephen, 
What is the best way to bring a refurbed, used, top-of-the-range 2015 MacBook Pro into my life? This is a good question as someone who has abandoned the 2016-2017 MacBook Pro, and I've gone back in time to a late 2015. There are a couple of things you can do. Uh, You can check out the Apple refurbished store on their website. Occasionally, those older machines pop up, but they've been fewer and fewer over time. Apple still sells a 15-inch. It is actually a really great machine. It has a huge battery and has no discrete GPU. It just has the the Intel integrated graphics. So battery life on that machine, which is, uh, I think, $2,000, 2.2 quad-core i7, 16 gigs of RAM, 256 gig SSD for uh, $1,999 is a really good value. But Walter asked about top of the line, and I assume that that means uh, the the option with the discrete video card for their purposes. There, you unfortunately may be stuck with something like eBay. There are some really big resellers uh, on eBay. So I bought my 13-inch, which is like a middle-of-the-road model. Uh, it still had Apple AppleCare, uh, and I purchased from one of these big sellers, right? So they have you know, dozens and dozens of machines up for sale at a time. They refurbished them. So mine came like in the box that it came in with the power cable and with, you know, Sierra on it. And it was nice and clean and it had Apple care. I, I, I struggle to recommend buying a new computer or a recent computer on eBay, unless it's somebody that you can easily verify and knows what they're doing. You know, if it's an individual seller and they don't have a bunch of reviews, you know, that can be problematic. But these big shops where, you know, it's clear this is what they do, this is their business, then uh, you may get lucky, but it, it may take some time. I I wanted uh, a 13-inch with an i5, but with a couple other options. And that took a little time. It took me maybe three or four weeks to find exactly what I wanted because there's just not that many of them out there. But if you're patient, you can definitely find one. And, uh, and and join me in the glory days of the uh, fif- uh, you know 2015 MacBook Pro. Good old glory days. That's right. Take that silly keyboard. Aww. All right. One, one last question. This is for you about the Apple Watch. Astro Phoenix asks, how do I make my Apple Watch stop returning to an app? I want it to show me the watch face every time I wake the screen. I've set on-screen wake show last app to all four possibilities, but I keep getting the timer or stopwatch on wake instead of the watch face. What do I do? Uh, This is another one where I'm like, there are things that you can do to minimize this, but unfortunately, Apple has no setting uh, to just show watch face uh, on screen wake, which they really should. Hint, hint. at yeah. all the Apple engineers who I know are listening to this podcast. Uh, yeah, so there is no official way to set it to always show your watch face, but you can avoid apps being shown most of the time uh, with a couple of tricks. Uh, so going back to the on-screen wake show last app setting you were talking about, if you change it to within two minutes of last use, you'll guarantee that unless you immediately show uh, wake your screen after using an app, um it'll probably go away and you'll just see your main screen. Uh, Also, if you're having problems with audio apps showing while audio is playing, you can turn off auto launch audio apps in the settings section of Apple Watch. Um, But my favorite trick, honestly, uh, has nothing to do with settings at all. Um, It's when you're looking at an app, say that you have, uh, say that you have your stopwatch active for something. When you're finished using the stopwatch, 
cover your watch face with your palm. Um, I usually just do like a, a little slap uh, with my hand on top of the watch face. Um, and that, for whatever magical reason, will automatically close that app and send you back to the watch face. It's a fun little, fun little hidden trick. So the next time you raise to wake, you will be back on your clock face. Yeah, I'd like to see Apple offer a little more control over this because I, I want to use my watch the same way that Astro Phoenix wants to use theirs. And it can be a little frustrating to pull it up and the, the app is still there. But with these settings, most of the time it does what I want it to do. Um, but yeah, I, I think we should, I think I would like to do a watch OS like focus show at some point. Cause I think there's a lot of things in here that are confusing or that could be better. And I think Agreed. that'd be fun to really dive into at some point. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it, Steven. All right. I think that does it for this week though. Thank you for listening to query. You can find show notes this week at relay.fm slash query slash 21. To submit questions, please tweet with the hashtag AskQuery. In the meantime, you can find Serenity on Twitter at Saturn, S-E-T-T-E-R-N, and you can find her excellent writing at imore.com. I'm ISMH on Twitter and write 512pixels.net. Until our next episode, Serenity, say goodbye. Goodbye. Adios.